Welcome to the Cardboard Herald Reviews, where we give you audio versions of our game reviews, then go behind the scenes of our creative process. Imperial Settlers, designed by Ignacy Trebuchek, published by Portal Games in 2014, one to four players, 45 to 90 minutes, review by Jack Eddy, originally published on the Cardboard Herald, November 29th, 2016. I was apprehensive about Imperial Settlers. While the cute cartoony artwork and reputation as a great asymmetric game drew me in, something about the vast array of cards in front of me made me wary. You see, I really love civilization builders, but I like the physicality of tokens, of real pieces representing my grand design. Somehow, cards just, well, fell flat. Turns out, I'm just a big dummy. Imperial Settlers feels like a board game in spite of 95% of the action happening on cards. And more importantly, it's also one of the most fun civilization building games I've played in ages. Not so United Nations. To start out, each player chooses one of the four great and iconic nations. Japan, Rome, Egypt, and Barbaria. Barbariana. Barbary Coast. The United Barbarian Horde. UBH. Anyway, there are four different factions to choose from, each with its own deck of building cards and unique loadouts of resource production every turn. At the beginning of the game, the factions will closely resemble one another, but as their settlement expands, the asymmetry becomes much more apparent. Like all self-respecting board games, players gain resources to spend on things that let them gain more resources to hopefully get points, but Imperial Settlers does it with a satisfying Rube Goldberg-esque flair. As players alternate actions to build, resolve card effects, trade in resources, or raise, aka destroy, the cards in their own hands or even in their opponent's field, you get the sense that you are managing a vast contraption, with each step being one in a long sequence resulting in your victory. This is helped by the individual actions being relatively simple. Nothing comes at too high a cost. Nothing is out of reach. You will find yourself wishing you had more resources to do everything, but as long as you aren't greedy, you'll have what you need to do almost anything. New faction and common cards are drawn at the beginning of each round. Side note, for the love of God, use the common deck draft rules in the back of the rulebook. Once in play, each card is a building that either has an ongoing effect, grants the player an action they can use, or produces stuff, usually resources, points, or cards. The common cards have a wide the common cards have a wide variety of effects while the faction cards tend to synergize with one another and steer a player towards the strength of their nation. As your nation becomes more expansive, you'll become much more selective and critical about what you want to build at any given moment, using the common buildings as a way to augment or enhance your faction's viable strategies. Most of the faction buildings require you to sacrifice a common building, which you've already put into play, so again, you are being selective about what part of your machine you are willing to trim. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Raising is one of the few but important nuggets of player interactivity in the game. Some buildings produce swords, which can be used to raise buildings to gain the rewards in the upper right of the card, 
With few exceptions, only common cards in your hand or your opponent's field can be raised. The cost to raise your own is cheap at only one sword, but inevitably you'll find yourself in a situation with two or more swords and your opponent's buildings will look a bit more tempting. Destroy the right building, and that perfectly syncopated chain of events your friend was following may prematurely collapse like oh-so-many dominoes. This may be overly harsh in what is otherwise a friendly engine-building Eurogame, but raising opponents is expensive and common buildings are never so vital that losing one is more than an annoyance. They even get to flip the card and use it to build one of their faction buildings, and adorably, they get one wood for their building getting destroyed, presumably from the wreckage. What's to love? What I really like about Imperial Settlers is that in spite of the well-defined actions, the path forward never quite feels obvious. Each round, save maybe the first, I feel like there are many branching opportunities that I won't see the full consequences of until I follow through. I love that. It adds mystery and suspense right up until the end. Speaking of well-defined factions, I like that the synergies make for broader rather than specific strategies. It leaves some room to mitigate luck by leaning into whatever you draw into. I also like the Spartan design. Wait, why aren't the Greeks a playable faction? In a tight five rounds with simple actions, it's easy to teach and understand the game so that everyone is ready to rock within the first handful of actions. Even the cards have a simplistic yet versatile design, begging you to indulge as you consume every part of the buffalo. Every faction building has a banner at the bottom allowing you to make a deal. Instead of building it, you can flip it around and tuck it under your player board with just the banner showing and begin producing those resources every turn. The Razor Reward on common buildings is just as vital to your strategy as the effect of building it. Every card, whether it enters play or is used for some effect, has a value to you. It helps keep the deck small and man it helps keep the deck small and manageable and reduces the risk of disappointment as you draw cards each turn. Room to grow. I should also mention that this game presents the opportunity for limited deck construction. The base set does not have extra cards, but there are a few expansions at this point that allow you to swap out cards to further define each faction's strategy. Honestly, I think this is a costly mistake either by the designer or publisher, as many gamers don't want to deal with the TCG LCG hassle of building decks. Fortunately, this is entirely optional and the game is completely solid on its own. On the other hand, the game is designed such that it's exceptionally easy to envision new factions and what their cool powers could be. Already, Portal Games has released an Atlantean set, and the Aztec set is just on the horizon. Having had a limited, having had a limited Euro, having had a limited European release at Essen Spiel, having had a limited European release at Essen Spiel 2016, I don't want it to sound like there isn't much, that there isn't more than enough. I don't want it to sound like there isn't more than enough in the base set, but the option to add new and interesting factions without upsetting the balance or the fundamental rules of the base game is exciting. Final thoughts. It's really a strange beast. For some, the limited player interactivity and luck of card draw may be a turnoff. For others, the looming threat of attack will be enough to avoid the game. But I feel like Imperial Settlers really threads the needle, making an engine-building Euro game with just enough interactivity to make you care about what your opponent is doing, while softening the impact of each costly monkey wrench that they throw at you. Imperial Settlers is a civilization game with a smirk, from its cute characters to the secret box ninja. Yeah, I found you. 
to the consolation wood you get when your neighbor blows up your building. The game oozes charm and levity rarely found in this genre. Best of all, you're rewarded for smart and strategic play, but the path to victory never feels too obvious. I really like Imperial Settlers. In spite of its entire dependence on cards, it really feels like you are building a vast and powerful empire in a short amount of time, and for that, I highly recommend you check it out. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Jack, and we just went over the Imperial Settlers review from the end of 2016, just about a year ago. So this is kind of crazy to go back to because I still really like this game and I still really like this review. I don't have much to say about it other than while reading it, I had to fix a couple things in post. Not only were there little things that felt like grammatical errors, but there were also things that reading aloud were really hard to say, particularly the line Rube Goldbergian flair. For whatever reason, reading that thing fast, I could not do. Maybe it's tonight. Maybe it's I'm too full of burritos in my belly. Maybe it's just that it's really hard to say. I don't know. You try saying it really fast. Rube Goldbergian flair. But I changed it to Rube Goldberg-esque flair, and somehow that worked more in my read-through. Anyway, the thing that really stood out to me about Imperial Settlers here is that I did not mention in my review uh, how I felt about multiple player accounts. I had played it at larger player accounts at this point, and I've played more at larger player accounts since, and I stick by the fact that this is best as a two-player game, a head-to-head -head game. At larger player accounts, there's just nothing to do on opponent's turns, and so you're just waiting for your turn to come around. And it feels like more waiting than the game really deserves. It's best as a lightweight, I do this, you do that, I do this, you do that style of game. Great couples game. It gives you just enough player interactivity to have a little... Uh, friendly nudging here and there while still not burning any bridges, even if you're raising their buildings. But it is a very approachable, friendly, and silly game overall. I don't, I don't think that it, it deserves the, um, I guess, hour and a half plus time that having a two, that having a three or four player count could be. that having a higher player count could entail. Now, the other thing that I think I should mention is that I've played one of the expansions since. I haven't played the Aztec one, but the Atlanteans expansion is very cool and something that you should check out. I'm surprised I didn't do a review on that, but, you know, there's only so much time for these things. And the Atlantean expansion is all about really chaining your buildings together. You get these special tokens that allow you to um, take double actions or make buildings more powerful or whenever you resolve the action on your building, you get points out of it. It just becomes this 
incredible machine of churning out points. It's unlike any of the other factions, and I find that when I play it, it's either immensely successful or fails miserably. Uh, but either way, it is very fun to play, and it's a cool little expansion that adds a few other cards that can be used by each of the other decks as well. Uh, so they have access to some of the Atlantean technology that the Atlanteans have. Other than that, I don't know that I have much to add. We still play the game. We still like the game. My opinion hasn't changed. There have been... I still haven't played 51st State, which was like the predecessor, and I know it shares some of the mechanisms with this game. I know Ignasi has another game on the way. Oh, that's another thing that I noticed. In the review, I mentioned that it was a mistake either on the part of the designer or the publisher. Well, it turns out that Ignasi Trewicek is the owner of Portal Games. He is the designer and publisher of this game, so he doubly made the mistake of making it a game that you could customize your decks. I don't know, maybe people really like that. I've yet to meet someone who plays Imperial Settlers and does all of their uh, deck construction as if it were Magic the Gathering or building a Netrunner deck or something like that. So if that's you, then let me know about it. I will read your listener mail on the air. You can tell me what the appeal is in Imperial Settlers to treat it as a deck that you have to construct. Also, before I forget, thank you everyone for giving such an awesome response to our YouTube channel. I know that it is still in its infancy. We're just now uploading lots and lots of videos and we're planning on having preferably weekly content. And if we can't do that, then at least bi-weekly. Already you can see some first impressions, some reviews, and some of our cardboard cutouts content, which is our recommendation show. In this case, three great games to play beyond Catan, meaning these are games that if your entry point to this here hobby was the settlers of Catan. well here are three games to move on to as your next game and that's it thank you everyone for listening and thank you for supporting the cardboard herald i'll talk to you next time As always, the Cardboard Herald is a completely free service focused on spotlighting games, gamers, and game creators. You can find all of our podcasts, including the Cardboard Herald and TCBH reviews, on iTunes, Stitcher, and our website. For more recommendations and reviews, you can also head over to our YouTube channel. We do not pay to advertise the show, so please continue spreading the word, following, liking, rating, and doing all the social media things. It truly does help us out a ton. If you'd like to drop us a line and maybe have your listener mail read on air, find us on Twitter, at Cardboard Herald, or send us an email to CardboardHerald at gmail.com, or click the contact link on our page. Once again, thank you for listening. I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald, and you keep on gaming.